Mana 3 Media. Let's face it, the world is just a messy place. There's probably not one of us that hasn't heard a lesson or some information at some point and said, hey, with all that's going on around me, what difference does that make? I'm Dr. Mike Courtney. I'm a counselor, a lifelong recoverer, a husband, a father, a business owner, a grandfather, and I love to ask this question, what difference does that make? This spring, I uh, began a systematic theology teaching at my local church on Wednesday night. I was honored to do that, and we spent about 16 weeks together going over the basics of our faith, what we believe. It was fun. Hopefully, it was uh, entertaining and informative. I have never proposed that I am a scholar at all, but I am somebody that loves God. I love talking about God, and especially in ways that are easy to understand and 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 are attractive, that make people want to dig into the deeper uh, issues of their faith. Uh, so this is that. Uh, I decided to take a few weeks on what difference does that make and share that with you. Most of the episodes are about 20 minutes long. The teaching was about 40 minutes, and so I divided each week about in half, tried to cut them in places where it seemed to make sense. I will say that early on especially, it gets better as we went along. We, we learned how to do this, but early on, uh, the recording is rough. It's uh, I'm in an auditorium. I'm talking to a group of people. There's questions and answers, and sometimes there might be a pause where someone is saying something in the back that you can't hear. We got better at using, making sure we ran around with microphones and had people on that, but uh, I, I think there's enough there that you'll get the gist of this. Uh, I hope, I hope that it uh, entertains you, of course, but I, but I hope that it that informs you, that it challenges you. I hope it makes you ask questions. I hope it makes you ask, what difference does that make? So here is um, the uh, second series of sessions. We did one on the Bible uh, first, and now two sessions on the nature of man. Systematic theology. Uh, I, uh, Doris was talking to Sophie before the service about about. What's it? He's talking about it. It's, um, I don't something about theology. Just something about theology. So if you can impress your wife with what you're teaching, you know you're doing a great job. Oh, I don't know what it is. It's just something about theology. Theology, systematic theology. That that attempt to look at what we say about God in an orderly, coherent fashion, so that we can kind of formulate what we what we believe, what our dogma, what our theology is. There are, uh, I, I just, I won't repeat this every time, but I just want to make sure that I give credit where credit is due. The, the three sources that I'm mainly drawing on is uh, uh, God, Man, and Salvation by Perkheiser, Taylor, and Taylor. It, uh, this is, tells you how old it is. This was my seminary textbook. Um, uh, Gustav Elaine wrote a great uh, Christian uh, theology of the Christian faith. Is that the name of it? The Faith of the Christian Church. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's, it's as, as good, I think, as there is as a genuine systematic theology. And then, uh, it's funny, I was talking to Andrew and Emily and those guys, and I said, y'all know, uh, 
the Bible Project. Oh, yeah, we know. Any, everybody, all that, all that young group that I said, the Bible Project. Tim Mackey uh, and Jonathan Collier. Collier or Collins? Collins, I think. They, it, it, it's a, it's a online thing. And, but man, it's a, it's a great, they have a podcast this year. They've come out with a Bible app. Uh, and then they do a, uh, a YouTube, all, all those, all the media. And, uh, it's just powerful. And then they do basically a biblical study, but they've done some great work in just kind of systematic theology too. So that's kind of where I'm, drawn from that. And then I said last week, just a quick refresher, I said that there are kind of four, main, there, there's a lot of different uh, avenues of theology, uh, liberation theology, feminist theology, uh, but there are four primary streams of theological uh, endeavor. Biblical theology, which is following the trajectory of God through Scripture, uh, uh, we might call that hermeneutics. That would just be another word for that. Historical theology, which is l- looking at the way God has worked historically through human through through human development, and we might call that sociology. Uh, sociologists might not even use the word God, but it's the story of God working through human history. Natural theology, uh, apologetics, and uh, we will talk a little bit about natural theology in two weeks. It is that attempt to to give a logical, coherent God talk without using Scripture. It's kind of pulling out of that and saying, okay, look at the world around us and what does that say to us about God? And then, and then the latest, I'd say the last 20, 30 years, uh, process theology, and it's a, an attempt to discover the trajectory of God in post-biblical history, particularly in, in the 18th, 19th, and 20th centuries of that, that history. And, 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 I'm, I, and I, I kind of went away feeling a little defeated last week that I was uh, overly critical of that. I'm not overly, I think it's a great endeavor. The emergent church has come out of that, but it does lend itself to sometimes going a little far so that Scripture does not find a good place in, in all of, of that. <laughs> this is my last Doris story. Doris said, uh, you know that guy, you know that guy that you like to read that you, you always say he's a lunatic. Who is that guy? <laughs> I said, Richard Rohr. He's a heretic, not a lunatic. You can be a heretic without being a lunatic. I think, I think if you're a lunatic, you probably are a heretic, but you can't, you can be a heretic, that, that lunatic. But Richard Rohr would come out of that process theology and, and attempt to, uh, to continue to see the evolving shape of God. And, and that's important, and we need to do that, but we need to, it, 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 can, it can take us too far if we're not careful. Which is why systematic theology tends to kind of put all of these things in place and say, let's talk about these things, but in a, in a logical, coherent, uh, cohesive way so that we can start from beginning and work our way through and say, oh, you know what, I believe this because it fits with this and because it, it stands on, on this. And so that's what we're, that's what we're attempting to do. Uh, it's an attempt to formulate an orally rational, coherent account of doctrine and, and dogma. That's my working definition of systematic theology. There is a great outline for systematic theology. In Genesis chapter 1 and following, there's a great outline for how you might do systematic theology. 
the Bible, you just kind of start with that. And almost any systematic theology book that you looked at would start with the Bible because you just, you have to start somewhere. And so let's talk about what this is. Do we believe it? Is it true? Is it not true? What do we think? What are the, you remember the three words that we used about the Bible last week? We kind of concluded this is what we believe about the Bible. Those three important words. Inspired, infallible, and authoritative. Inspired, infallible, that's what we believe about the Bible. And And don't make it say more than it does, but don't let it say less than it does. And when the Bible says that, why do you believe this? Well, because the Bible says that. Uh, so it's in, we believe it's inspired. We believe that God spoke through human beings, but God spoke and said, write this. We believe it's infallible. That is the message of God. There were human beings, and there, I promise you, there are commas out of place and words misspelled. And, you know, we're not saying that it's absolutely every jot and tittle, to use a phrase, but, but it, it's infallible. The message of God is without fail in that. And that is authoritative. When it says this, we do this. That's, it, it has authority over us. Um, and so you start there, and then obviously you go to theology. What does, what does the Bible say about God, or what do we believe about God? And so it's interesting if you look at the, at the creation story, a good outline of systematic theology is found there. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Right off the bat, the first thing we talk about is God. And so most systematic theologies would start with the Bible and then begin a discussion of God. And then they would begin a discussion of the world that God created, cosmology. We would call that cosmology. And that's Genesis 1-2. The world was formless and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the deep. Genesis 1-2, all the way through about 125, where it's, and, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let there be goldfish, and there was goldfish. And God said, let there be big deer in Tennessee, and, that, and all that, that was there. Uh, the cosmology. And then we would start talking about man. Genesis 1-26, and God said, let us make man in the image of God. Uh, in our, let us make man in our image, in the image of God he made them. Male and female created he them. So we would talk about anthropology. And then, that's Genesis one twenty six and chapter 2, two kind of creation stories of man. And, and, and then Genesis 3 on, it all falls apart, and the whole rest of the Bible is, is God winning us back. That's soteriology, the, the, the doctrine of salvation, how God wins us back. So there's an outline that most systematic theologies would follow. We're not going to do that. We're going we're gonna, to, we started with the Bible, and before we look at God, we're going to look at man and the nature of man and talk about that tonight. And then in two weeks, we'll pick back up and start talking about God. Why do you think that is? Just, you know, there, I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer. Why do you think it might be important to talk about man early on in this process. Why is that important? Well, that's, that's a great point. You know, if you ever want to really, when you're in the, gro- how'd you start the conversation in the grocery store? That's a great haircut. You start, you walk up to somebody and say, this sweater looks good on me. <laughs> that's, that's not a good conversation starter. 
but you start with where they are. Oh, man, do you, come, you shop here very much? Yeah, that's neat. Uh, uh, can I borrow a quarter to get my Aldi's cart out of the thing? Can I do that? Uh, you start with where they are. That's a, that's a, yeah, start with where we are. So it's good to, to, to do that. What else? What might be a good reason to start with man? Good. To, I, don't, I don't know why we're talking about this, Tim. I, I, why are we wasting time talking about this stuff? I mean, who cares? Well, I'm lost. Okay, that's a good reason. I'm lost. So maybe that's a good reason to, to go back to that. Yeah, to see our need for this whole conversation. Somebody else started to say something. Did I just... Good, yeah, yeah. Uh, in just a minute, we'll, we'll we'll look at this. In in psychology, it's called differentiation. You know, when I am when 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 I was a little tiny baby, the whole universe revolved around me. All I cared about was that I got my bottle at the right time and my diaper changed, and that's all that mattered. And I really didn't know who those people were that were doing. It. And then we began, if we if we grow in the right way we begin to differentiate we begin to say this is mommy and daddy and they are important and i love them but they are not me and i'm different from them and we can't really know who they are until we have a good idea who we are that we're, that we're different from from that so yeah that's a, that's exactly it um there is a uh quote i think this is where i put that there's a quote from perkiser that, that talks about the importance of, of man, and it says that, isn't in in technology just wonderful? Uh, the importance of a right understanding of human nature can scarcely be overstated. The truth about the nature and destiny of man is crucial in the great struggles of the last third of the 20th century. That shows you how old the book is. That's, that's when I was studying in the last third of the 20th century, and I would add, this my parenthetical statement and the first quarter of the 21st century the ideologies we hear so much about are in fact anthropologies answers to the biblical question what is man and so we are struggling today with with uh, discussions of, of sexual identity we're we're struggling with issues of sanctity of life we're struggling with uh, 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 immigration I mean all all those struggles that we have, they are questions of anthropology. Who is man and how important is he? If he is not important, then shut the borders and abort the babies and, and do whatever you want to do. And, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that lightly. I'm not making light of that. I'm just saying our anthropology informs all that. If we believe that man is important then what we believe about some of those things is, is vitally important. By the way, where we get into real trouble is when we believe he's important in one area and not important in another area. And I, I just I sometimes, Doris, I have to turn off the news because I'm talking to the TV. I'm saying you are not, it does not make sense when you say this matters and this doesn't matter. That doesn't make sense. It's not, it's not a question of it's right or wrong. It just doesn't, doesn't make sense. So our anthropology really comes out of and, and, and is an attempt to answer that question uh, 
what is man? Let's, let's read that question really fast. Psalm chapter 8 and verse 4. Psalm 8 and verse 4. Would someone read that? Psalm 8. Yeah, Rita, thank you. What is man that you remember him, the son of man that you look after him? And I've written that that first man is Enosh, human mortal, and that second man is Adame, meaning dust. don't know when I wrote that. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Peter's going to come up and teach the rest of this. So come up here. Now. <laughs> that's neat. You, that's in your, in your Bible. Yeah, we're going to look at that. And good for you. Uh, you probably read uh, the Bible Project. You listened to Tim Mackey, the Bible Project, didn't you? You got that. Uh, what we're attempting to do is answer that question before we really talk about God of, of what do we believe the Bible says, and more importantly, what does God say about, about who we are? There are four Hebrew terms for man. They are not necessarily in any kind of order. They're, they seem to be used interchangeably. One is not more important than the other. They just, the, but these are four terms for man. And, and I'll say this kind of once apologetically, ladies, but you understand when we say man, in this case, we're talking about mankind. We're not talking about the gender, but mankind. Uh, Adam, uh, from which we get the name Adam, but Adam, which literally means uh, created. He is, he is created. Uh, there is ish, uh, which, which talks about will or choice most of the time. This being has... It can choose, name the animals. That's ish. You name the animals. You have the choice to do that. Enosh, the mortality of man. Uh, if, if we, now that they've eaten the apple, if we let them stay here, they'll live forever. And Enosh is there. And then Gabar. And Gabar is about the power of man, the, the authority of man. So these four kind of interchangeable words are names for man and all of them if we look at them they all have something to do with what we believe we're going to at the end of the night hopefully say we believe that man is a created being who has free choice who has the ability to um, uh, to to exact power to to operate in in the in a form of god all of those things will will come about but that we're going to die that so that's what we believe about about man so again why is this so important why why talk about man uh let me read this statement to you jamie had it up and i I talked too long what we believe out what we believe about man informs how we see our relationship with god in psychology, we call that differentiation. I learned that I am separate but connected to my parents. And much of what I believe I think I know about my parents is based on what I think I know about me. It's like the, like the, the old joke, you know, the kid that says, my father got a lot smarter when I went off to college, you know. And I go away and learn that I don't know it all. All of a sudden, no offense, guys, but all of a sudden... My, my parents seem a whole lot smarter because, I, because what I believe about me is different. So what we believe about man informs how we see our relationship with God. And, and so it's kind of a good place, I think, to start with that and, and talk about that a, a little bit. Um, 
Oh, uh, so here's here's kind of a couple of parallel statements I put in your in, in your notes here. Our behavior is a result of our humanness. Our humanness is not a product of our behavior. That, and that has changed. I mean, uh, when when you do not have an authority, when you don't have the Bible to say this is the way it is, then all of this stuff is just open to flux, and it can just change at any time. And so it has changed, and in the past we just kind of readily said, well, we, we act this way because we are human. Now we say where what it means to be human is to act however you want to act and and you determine by your actions so what is a what is a great place for that discussion and again this not I'm, I'm not trying to get into a political debate i'm just trying to say that theology matters in the in the entire discussion about transgender and our ability to self-identify if I believe that my behavior term, determines what it means for me to be human, then however I act, that's who I am. Does that make sense? But that's not what the Bible says, and that's not what we have believed for 2,000 years. What we believe is that what it means to be human determines how we we act. Our behavior comes out of our humanness rather than the other way around. And so when I am caught up in that, I mean, quite honestly, if I don't have an authority base and someone says to me, you know what, I, I feel like today I'm identifying as an overweight goldfish, then I say, good for you, you know, flop, flop, wherever you want to go. I have no... I have no if that's the way you feel, that's the way you feel. I have nothing to argue with that unless I can come back and say, wait a minute, how you feel is not the determining factor or how you behave. It's not the determining factor of your behavior, of your humanness. Your humanness is given to you by God. And then your behavior comes out of that. Your behavior can be good or it can be bad. We behave a lot because we are fallen humans. We'll look at that in, in a little while. But but that that's a, a vitally important question. Does that does that make sense? Any any sometimes I go too fast. Any thoughts about that or questions or conversations you want to have about that? Okay, well here's the second little statement I jotted down. Our view of man depends on our understanding of God. Our relationship with God depends on our view of man our view of man uh what what we think who we think man is who we think god created us to be that has everything to do with what we think about god if there is a loving god who created us first of all let's just start there who created us then then i see man as something different it, but my relationship with that god has everything to do with my my view of me am i a uh, a piece of protoplasm that somehow came into existence with the Big Bang and just, you know, is flying through the universe and that's all there is to me, then I don't, uh, there's not a lot of space there for me to have a relationship with God. But if I see I'm created in the image of God, 
with the ability to think and feel and love and have expressed needs, if I see that, then there's, then I can have a relationship with the God who created me so that he can meet those needs for me and so that I can glorify him. So here's the, here's the, the uh, cultural discussion of that. The, and it's, a, it's kind of a, an obvious one, an easy one to pull out. But the sanctity of life. I mean, I, I have no grounds upon which to uh, defend the sanctity of life if we're just, you know, atoms that somehow came together in a certain fashion and, and it's just all chance and random. And I don't, there's, I don't have a lot of ground to support that. But if I believe that I'm created in the image of God, made to be in relationship with him, then it changes everything about about that conversation and that and that discussion. Does that does that make sense? All of this is the introduction to the sermon. All of this is just a way to say why are we talking about this? Why do we talk about man? Why not go for we talking about theology? Let's just go right to theology. Let's just talk about what we believe about God and what the Bible says about God and let's just go there. But but all this to say it's it's vitally important our anthropology is vitally important because it comes out of our what we believe about God, but it also then teaches us how we are supposed to relate to God. So our anthropology comes from our theology, but it also connects us to, to our theology. What difference does that make with Dr. Mike Courtney is part of the Mana 3 Media Network. It is hosted by Dr. Mike Courtney and is produced and edited by me, David Wilkinson. We'd love for you to subscribe to What Difference Does That Make wherever podcasts are downloaded. Be sure to check out our episode show notes. You can learn more about Branches Counseling Center on Facebook and Instagram, and you can check out more podcasts by Mana3 Media on Instagram at Mana3 Media. That's M-A-N-A, the number three, media. Media.